Hello and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm your host, Tom Chrisman, and my guest today is Jaime Cabrera, Group Creative Director at Hyundai's Agency in Ocean, USA in Los Angeles. In addition to his work at InOcean, Jaime is also a recording artist, an author, and a podcaster. He's written a book entitled, What's the Big Idea? An Indispensable Guide to Becoming a Kick-Ass Creative Director. And he has a podcast also called What's the Big Idea, where he chats with creative directors from all over the world, including yours truly. There's a lot to unpack in this one, including some great music from uh, Cabrera's great album. Uh, So now, without further ado, here's my chat with Jaime Cabrera. Hey, Jaime. Hey, Tom. Welcome to the A-List. What, do so, I get a plaque? Do I get a like a like a plaque or something? You know, we've been metal. thinking about getting some uh, some jackets, you know, like they do in the uh, in the golf. But I like uh, that. yeah, that's one of those things that's on the list. I like it. My assistant's <laughs> working on it. Um, so uh, so, yeah, tell, tell us. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Where where was Jaime Cabrera born? I was born in the sleepy little town of El Paso, Texas. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Just like, you know, like the Marty Robbins song, down in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. And, yeah, and, that's and, my hometown. Uh, uh, and you grew up, your parents did what? What did your parents do in El Paso? My pa- um, so my parents were um, came from Mexico. Um, my dad worked um at jc penny he was a, a warehouse uh, man in the facilities uh man as well my mom worked at a supermarket uh for like oh, what did, 30 what did years she, what did she do at the supermarket she was a checker my mom was nice. a, was a checker they both they both uh you know worked really really hard to uh give uh give us five kids uh everything that that we needed but yeah that they, they uh they worked their whole lives yeah Wow. My mom was also, she also worked in a supermarket. Uh, oh, really? And, and put us both through college with that. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, and so you grew up with five kids. Are you the oldest or are you the? I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, at what point were you like, oh, this uh, creativity, I want to, I want to, I want to do something creative. Was that, was that encouraged or uh, were they like, you know, try to get a job as a lawyer or something? No, they, I mean, I, so, so the first sign of my creativity was music. So I started, I picked up the guitar at probably, um, well, actually, I guess if you really think about it, it was maybe a little bit younger than that. I used to, um, I used to set up in the, in the den, uh, in the, in the kind of the, the family room area. I mean, I would put on my, my records and I had a tennis racket that I cut off all the all the strings except for six and that was my make-believe guitar and then i would use the vacuum cleaner uh you know that has kind of that microphone sort of shaped handle yeah and i would i would jam along to to records and (laughs) the crazy thing that i did was i i used to spray uh, i used to put hairspray at the very top of the racket i don't know if you know this but you could kind of punch a hole in uh, at, at the very top of the racket, and, and I would spray, put hairspray in there, and then I would light it on fire. You would do my, do my kiss routine, you know. And oh, that's yeah, you like, wanted to be. You wanted to be Paul Stanley. That was yes. who you wanted to be. 
I wanted to be all those guys, you know, and I, and I would, I would, you know, I would play around and then light that on fire unbeknownst to my parents until one day I, I caught the, you know, remember the old, the old TVs were made out of wood, right? It was that big sure. furniture piece. And I caught yeah. that on fire and I, you know, quickly put it out, you know, and they were like, what happened here? What's happened to the TV here? But anyway, so then I picked <laughs> up the guitar I picked up a guitar and, and uh, uh, joined a, a, a friend's band at probably around 13, 14, um, playing covers, of course, and, you know, playing all the school functions and assemblies and things like that. So that was probably this, the first sign of, of creativity. That so you I, jumped right in. You were playing live at the, at the school and you, you were uh, in a band. Yeah. I have, That's you know, so the cool. crazy thing is we have, there's photos that exist and, and some videos and stuff. And so it's pretty crazy. I show my kids sometimes, you know, like, here's your, here's your dad at about your age, starting to play music and do gigs. And yeah, it was a fun time. That is so cool. And you still play the guitar. I can see uh, you've got some guitars hanging behind you. So that, that hasn't stopped. That hasn't stopped. I, I kept doing that, you know, all through high school and college. And that's what brought me out to California. I was trying to pursue a music career. Oh, really? Songs and yeah. I got so a, you a you went out to out. California and you got a few records out. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know this. Oh, you didn't. I thought I thought I had mentioned it to you. So yeah, so you I probably have, did. Yeah. I, I don't listen sometimes, Jaime. People, no, 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 people right. often say. Um so you 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 got out to LA. So that was after college? Did you go to, where'd you go to college? I went to the University of Texas at Austin, Hook'em Horns, and got nice. a degree in radio, television, and film. Okay. Um, so then, you were like, I should get like I should get a creative like degree. Uh and yeah, Austin, University of Texas, Austin. That's nice. What yeah, was that like? town. Oh man. Had so much fun there, especially, you know, playing in, in a band there too. And my right. brother was there. We, we overlapped for a couple of years. He's older than me. And, and so that was a lot of fun and just what a great time. If I could what? go back. Yeah. Week, that... that would be fun. <laughs> um, your brother was at, at university of Texas too. Did he take uh, like advertising TV courses or what was he doing? No, he's an engineer. So we're like polar opposites in that, in that way. Uh, yeah, we do share. He does play guitar, so we, we share that. But yeah, he was he was more of the engineering type, and I was more of the the creative type. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And when you were at University of Texas, did you is that when you first kind of noticed advertising as a career? When when was that? When did that start creeping into your head? I I think so. I I as I think back on it now, I don't know. That, that I even knew what I wanted to do, right. except for maybe, hi, Mac, my dog, Mac is joining hey, the Mac. podcast. Um, um, as I think back on it, um, you know, in high school, I also used to do the morning announcements, right? And I had a cousin who was a disc jockey. So I think in my mind, I was like, maybe I'll be a disc jockey, or maybe I'll be on TV, or maybe, but yeah, when I got to, um, to the University of Texas, I did take some advertising courses. And I, that's probably when I got sort of the idea in my head, although I, I still took a circu circuitous route to get there, but that was probably when it, when it started. And so you graduate from university of Texas and then you're like, I'm going out to LA. I'm going to, I'm going to make my way uh, and become no, a, a, a superstar. No, unfortunately at that time, right around, right before I graduated, my dad passed away and I, oh. and I moved back, I moved back to El Paso to kind of 
be with with my mom for a couple of years That's and tough. um yeah it was it was tough it was it was uh, quite a learning experience and and after about four years i was like okay i gotta i gotta get out of here i gotta go do something and um you know i decided to to move to california to to chase the music dream that's awesome um so sorry to hear about your dad that that's uh tough when you're when you're still young yeah i was 20 i was 20 yeah i was 20 i hadn't even turned 21 yet so yeah definitely definitely tough for sure um and and after those few years what were you doing in the meantime what were you uh was it just like i don't know what to do like the dad thing kind of threw you for a loop huh it did a little bit, but I, you know, I, I got back to El Paso and I immediately started like looking for work with, you know, within my degree. Right. So mm-hmm. that meant uh, being a production assistant on a couple of movies that rolled through town. Right. Oh, and cool. commercials. You know, I got, I got picked up to be a production assistant on some commercials and that's kind of what started the whole journey really. Uh, oh, that's cool. Is, yeah. I started doing that kind of stuff. And then a friend um, who was sort of had a little production company said, "Hey, you know this this agency is looking for for a uh, like a copywriter or sort of director type. You know, you should you should uh, you should check it out." And he introduced me to the folks. All I had was this little music video that I had done in college of one of my songs, and I took that in as proof of concept that I could write and direct and shoot things. And they hired me, and that was oh, wow. sort of the beginning of my of my advertising career in a, in Austin. No, this was still in El Paso. No, I'm sorry, in El, El Paso. Yeah, you're back yeah, in El Paso. Yeah. Uh, and what was the agency? It was called the Laster Group, uh, which has since become uh, Culture Span uh, Marketing. But yeah, we had you know we were kind of the one of the big agencies in town, and it was pretty neat, you know, to to be working at an ad agency. And I just, I mean, I just jumped in. I mean, they just threw me in and I, I tell a funny story that I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was my first day. Uh, they said, we're shooting a car. Com- we're shooting a commercial for a car dealership. And so my boss is like, okay, you know, show up at so-and-so car dealership at 9am or whatever. So I show up, you know, I'm excited. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to direct this thing? Am I going to want, and she starts talking to somebody and saying, well, where should we put Jaime? And I said, what do you mean? She was like, the actor didn't show up. You're you're standing in for for the actor, so I had to like I was actually in the spot. So it was sort of a funny, funny oh my first goodness. day. Um, but from that point on, I wrote you know TV spots and would go out and shoot them on you know shoestring budgets and wrote uh, radio spots and would would go out and produce that. You know, I got an opportunity to learn how to create, uh, write, and produce jingles, and it was sort of a, a really great um, learning ground right i learned so much in, in a really compressed amount of time because they were just like we need somebody to do this right we need the billboard copy we need somebody to help us you know this this new client throw a grand opening event i mean it was everything and it was it was wonderful and did you have somebody telling you how to do that stuff or did you have to figure it out on your own this is uh, I'm, I'm assuming this is pre you can google anything and youtube anything to figure out how to do it <laughs> This was pre all that. I did have a great uh, creative director at the time named Edie uh, Zuvinich, who was, you know, my my mentor and she would guide me and, you know, just like it, like any other place, I would have to show her my scripts and she would punch them up or tell me to do this or that. Um, but yeah, I learned a lot from from her and 
but they gave me a lot of, they gave me a lot of freedom and thinking back on it. I mean, it did a lot of fun, really fun stuff. Just really yeah. fun. Did yeah. you know how good you had it? Cause that's really, that's really rare. They're like your first job, they're like, yeah, hey, throw, write some scripts and shoot this and jump into this commercial. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I wish that I didn't know how good I had it, you know, as and I talk about this a little bit in my book is that, you know, as creatives, we, we get so restless, you know, and you always think, all right, this is cool, but what's next? And thinking back on it now, I'm like, oh my God, I produced, you know, like I, one of my favorites was um, I, at the time, I don't know if you remember, do you remember those, those gap commercials where they did all the swing dancing? Remember? Yeah, it was on, like, on, on white psych. They would just like yeah. have like a bunch of people dancing or they'd have Aerosmith playing the, 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 harmonica and then it was just like gap <laughs> yeah so it kind of like sparked this whole like uh dancing sort of craze swing off. dancing like the swing, yes, dancing, swing dancing coming back yes Correct. yes that's right because it was a time of swingers and all those movies anyway that's right so i remember writing a, a jingle that had that vibe and then i i hired a choreographer and we produced this big number for again another car dealership so i, I i'm sure that at the time I was having fun, but I, I don't think I realized, man, this is pretty awesome. I get to do all kinds yeah. of fun stuff, right? Um, yeah. Wow. That's cool. So then, uh, so you're there and I could see being like, well, this is a great job. Why don't I just stay here? But you, the, the music bug was, was gnawing at you. Is that what it was? The music bug. And I think, you know, feeling like, feeling like well, what, what's next here? What am I going to do? You know, mm. I was restless and, and um, I wanted to do, you know, bigger and better things. And, you know, music was, was a thing that was, that was going on, um, you know, apart from this. Yeah. Uh, so, and we had a, we had, uh, I had a band that was called Sour Mash Jack. And we had a, a guy that was here from LA that had fa found us and was interested in us and wanted to bring us out here. And, so we just, you know, we took the, we took the plunge and came out here and, um, and that fell apart after, you know, about six months, but I kept going at it. I produced uh, and released a, a record back in like 2001, like right before 9-11. So that timing wasn't great. Mm -hmm. um, and then I put one out about another one about seven years ago. So I've got a couple of them. I'm, I'm working on a on a on a technically a fourth one because Sour Mash Jack did one as well. Um, but the and are all these are available? All these are available on Spotify. Yeah, two of them are available on Spotify. Under if you search J Cabrera, just initial J and Cabrera, you can find them. And I got you know I got some airplay on uh, on one of the songs called Crushed. We got some uh, national airplay. I, I toured around a little bit, did some radio. Uh, promotion and things like that. And one of the songs was featured in a movie uh, called "A Day Without a Mexican." Um, and so, you know, I, I I did it. I gave it a shot. It was it's a tough, you know, it's it's tough to break in to that, but I, I gave it a shot. And uh, yeah, you know. and to have a record uh, is pretty cool. Like that's that's amazing. Like again, before you could just make your own record and put it on Spotify, <laughs> somebody exactly. actually said like, this is good. We got, we're going to record this. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. I mean, you know, that whole process of, of, you know, I had all these songs cause I had written, you know, this whole time and, you know, to, to be able to put them down. Um, I had done, recordings previous to that but this was like the real deal i was like in a real studio 
had a real producer, had access to all kinds of great equipment and guitars and brought in, you know, people that sing backup vocals. And, and one of the most popular songs that I, that I have is a song that I wrote for my parents called Hey Maria. And it has a little bit of a, of a Mexican Spanish vibe to it. And we brought in this famous accordion player to do this really beautiful solo in the middle. And, and man, it was just, it was just really awesome. It was really awesome to get to do it for real. Oh, wow. So uh, if I get your permission, I could play a little bit of that. Maybe we'll play it right now. Okay. That's the uh, any time that I that I play live. That's the closer, and people know to expect it, and it, it gets people on their feet, and uh, it's always it's always a good time. That's awesome. Um, so you go out to L.A. Uh, what was that like going to L.A. with a band? Were you like, all right, guys, this is it, or did you know that sort of like, ah, maybe this will work, or maybe it won't? <laughs> I mean, I think in my mind, I thought it was going to happen. You know, we had right. all this momentum. We had all this momentum. And I came out first um, to kind of, you know, scope things out. And I moved in with with the guy that was our, our manager. And, and you know, I was meeting people. And, you know, I was thinking, this thing, this thing could really, this thing could really happen. You know, and then the other guys came out. And, you know, as as things happened, right, we had a, we had a bit of a falling out, you know, sure. some creative difference creative differences and yeah. before you know it I was sort of on my own but the people that that were the management types you know stuck around with me and they helped me produce that that, that record and then it was kind of like okay well now what and so you know I did a little bit of touring and and a lot of it is you got to do a lot of work right and I've never been and to this day this still mm-hmm. this is still something that I struggle with I've never been a good self promoter right and that's what it takes. You know, you read about these guys like, you know, uh, 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 river, what's his name? Uh, river Cuomo from, from, um, from Weezer, right. Is that yeah. out like handing out flyers on, on the Hollywood strip and like calling yeah. all his friends and come see my show. And that was never me. Right. And in some ways that's really what it takes. You have to have that. And I was always a little bit shy about that or self-conscious about it. And you know, and that, that's really what it takes to, to build that audience. And I was think that, I think that's one of the missing things that, that maybe could have, you know, put us, cause you could put me on stage all day long every day yeah. and I would play and I would kill it, but it was that promotion and booking shows and all that stuff that I, that I struggled with. Yeah. They say that, uh, you have to, I mean, I, I remember hearing this guy talk about like, he would take people out into the ocean to just past where they could touch and then he would hold them under and then they would fight and then they would get out. And he was like, okay, when you're that intense about making it, that's when you'll make it like, like, like wow. that's, 
that's the what you need, what I'm told, you know? So a lot of us get things so quickly and so easily. And then we're just like, why isn't there more? And it's like, no, no, no. You're so fucking lucky right now that you got this. Yeah. So like, yeah. enjoy this and try to learn from it, but also fight and push and dream. And yeah, I wish I had had done a lot more uh, self-promotion too when I was younger. It's so hard yeah. to, uh, to have that faith in yourself that you could be like, all right, I'm just going to call this person and tell them I'm great. Yeah. You know? It's tough. It is, it is tough. Right. And then, and it goes back to that whole kind of fear and imposter syndrome and the lizard brain and all that stuff, that kind of that little voice in your head that it's like, you don't, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. Who are you to be doing that? And, mm. you know, it's all that kind of mental stuff that gets in your way. Yeah. Um, and, so you you uh, put out the album. It was sort of like, yeah, it's fine. It's it's doing well. It's okay. The the shows are okay. And then at what point were you like, all right, I need a backup plan. I need to get in there. Or was that something that you were like, all right, let me get a job and then I'll keep doing this. Is that was that the way you were thinking? So pretty much for the whole time, I was doing freelance uh, creative directing and writing. Uh, it was really I would. You know, it's it called creative directing, but I was mostly writing scripts for Time Warner. I would write, they would send me these assignments. I'd write the TV spots. And the, all along, the person on the other end, a guy named Steven Schmidt, kept saying, you need to come work for me. And I was like, I can't, man, I'm on the road, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and then, so the whole time, I kind of kept one foot in in the door um, yeah. of, of advertising and marketing and doing these other kind of freelance things. And then I think at a certain point, you know, I, I met my my um, the, you know, my wife um, yeah. my, at that point, and you know, you start to realize like this is this is a hard life, or this potentially could be a hard life. You know, I'm not going to be around, and you know, I always knew that I, that I wanted a family and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of stuff starts sleeping in your brain, and then before you know it, you're kind of like you've shifted, right? And and yeah. I ended up going to work for Time Warner full time, and you know, that led to all kinds of cool things as well. And one thing led to another and, you know. Yeah. Well, so, so what was Time Warner? Was that, did they have their own like creative department inside of Time Warner and they, they did some things yes. like AOL yeah. and all those things Were the, was that was happening at that point or? It was, it was Time Warner um, cable media. Sales, oh, okay. Right. So, right. so I would, so they would go out and sell the media and then they had this creative department that was in charge of producing the TV spots. Oh, so they're like, you know, those like TV spots where it's like local stuff. And like, if you don't have an yep. agency, we'll just do it. And and uh, we have a we Correct. have top notch team. Yeah, that's cool. And and what we tried to do was because, again, you know, a lot of this stuff was pretty, you know, rudimentary, right? Because you were working with some clients that weren't maybe that sophisticated. But then we would get the ones where we could convince to be like, hey, we can because the mechanics are the same, right? If you're producing a really big spot uh, with talent and all that, the mechanics are the same. Budgets right. are different. Equipment's different, things like that. But that doesn't mean that you can't do something that aspires to do that, right? So the clients that were a little bit savvier and a little bit cooler, we could convince like, hey, give us a few extra bucks. We'll bring in some talent and we'll shoot this like, you know, we'll shoot this on a dolly and we'll, you know, add some little special, whatever it was, we would try to punch them up and make them much bigger than they were right because we hated mm -hmm. going out and doing the let's get everybody outside the store and <laughs> wait to, we, we, we hated that stuff right so we were trying to we were trying to make big agency style spots right. on 
on shoestring budgets and you learn how to do that stuff, right? You learn how to cheat things and you learn how to, you know, shoot very quickly. Yeah. Um, and all skills that I, you know, that I still use today. So we would, you know, we'd go out again. This is another opportunity where I think back and like, that was pretty fun, man. You know, we'd get in the van. It was me and, you know, typically it was me and like uh, another person or two. If we were lucky, we had the second person to help, you know, grip things like that. And we'd go out and we'd show up and we had our script in place and, yep. you know, and, and then and you're, you're playing so many roles on shoots like that. I've been on those shoots too, where you're just like, let's just jump in a car. We got the DP, you know, director of photography. He's got a, basically a guy yeah. with a camera and he's like, let's jump in this van. And the, the actors in the van with you. And you're like, all right, we're going to go to this bowling alley. I know of, and we're going to shoot outside of it. And like, you don't get any, you know, uh, um, no permits, no, no permits, permits, no insurance. <laughs> no, you probably had insurance, but, uh, I don't but even you, know, yeah, whatever, <laughs> but it, it's so much more fun. Like, I love those kind of things. It, it, and, and if you're on those, don't focus on the fact that you've got no money and you got a small budget, focus on the fact that you're in charge, you know, yeah. run this, like you're the director, you know, think yeah, of all absolutely. the things that you need to do. Don't be a jerk. Be nice exactly. to everybody, treat everybody well, make sure everybody's yeah. doing their job and, and, and is happy and, and has what they need, but like, have fun with it. That's, that's so cool. You probably learned so totally. much. And now every shoot is like that. <laughs> now, uh, like even the big shoots at BBDO are like that, where they're just like, oh yeah, we, we're just going to roll on 50th street on this one, you know? Yeah, um, you got it. You got to go. But I, but that's another one where I'm like, man, I, I took it for granted, right? That, that, that whole that whole thing. I mean, and again, you know, it's that, it's that restless thing where you're like, man, I want to work for bigger clients. I want yes. to do bigger things. And, and then when you do, you realize it's all the same. It's just a mm -hmm. different scale, but it's mm -hmm. very, very similar. And by the way, there's way more people involved and you don't have as much say. And you, you yep. know, you're, you're just, and now you're like, well, I'm, I'm here and I'm here because I've done so much great work. And it's like, well, you should have just enjoyed while you <laughs> Yeah, this maybe you guys in a van, right? Um, not you. I'm talking. I'm talking to the to sure. the young people oh, out sure. there. Um, and uh, yeah, that's cool. So then, um, so then you're there, and you're thinking, where where did you want to work in LA? At at what point did you go? Like, all right, I'm serious now. The music thing's cool, but I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be at a place. I didn't really, if I, if I'm being completely honest, I really didn't know. I just knew that I wanted to work for bigger brands. Yeah. And so I literally started looking around and again, still pretty, I mean, uh, internet for sure, but still pre internet where you're, you know, looking at, at everything right. uh, on there. And somehow I came across this, an ad for Jack Morton and I did my research and it's like, man, this is a, this is a pretty big company, right? Focused on, on experiential and sports marketing. And they were doing, working with big clients and they had offices around the world. And yeah. their, their big, their big claim to fame at that moment was that they had produced um, one of the big Olympic opening ceremonies for the Olympics, right? In, in London, I believe. And so I'm like, I want to work there. And they had a spot for an associate creative director. And so, you know, I just applied and having, I didn't have any experience in this particular type of uh, work, right? Experiential, but I, I yeah. took a shot and, um, and they, you know, they took a, they took a chance on me and, and the rest is history. It's kind of gone from there. Oh, that's cool. So uh, tell us about Jack Morton. What were, what were, uh, 
what what was it about them that it was the ad well, you saw an ad and you were like oh I, they, need, it was they the need somebody yeah yeah it was the the ad obviously i wish that i could say that i was like that i had picked them specifically right. but it was really about the opportunity yeah. and i saw that as as a way to get in and, and work with some bigger clients so um i applied and i met my uh my my mentor jim ritter um who I dedicate the the book to and uh, you know, and he kind of took a chance on me. I had to convince them that I could do this job. Right. So they yeah. said I could, I could sense they were like, I don't know, this guy's done a bunch of cable spots. What's he, what's yeah. he know about? And I said, give me a test assignment and I'll create something around it and I'll come in and pitch it to you. I can, I know I can do this work. And sure enough, they took me up on it. I created this, this mock assignment for a fake car. Okay. Yeah, it was it was because uh, at the time they were pitching Toyota, I believe, and uh-huh. they gave me a, a fake assignment. Launch this new car. It's a mid. They gave me all kinds of little data points, right? It's a mid mid size uh, sedan, and it's geared toward these people. And they gave me little bits of information, and I put together this exciting road tour that had riding drive and all kinds of stuff. And I pitched it, and they, uh, you know, they they said, "All right, let's try it." And then I hit the ground running, just working on. Uh, I think we ended up losing that pitch, but then we got Hyundai and, and I'm still working on Hyundai yeah. business to this, to this day after this many years, but yeah, talk about again, getting some, um, you know, a lot of opportunities. It's like, oh, we're, we're doing a, a ride and drive for this new Genesis car. What do you got? Yeah. You know, so it just kind of just hit the ground running. It's like, you know, we're doing a big, uh, event for uh, dish network They're They get all their retailers every year. we got to put on a big show. Yeah. What you got? So yeah. I just I just hit the ground running. Uh experiential's different, huh? It was uh it was pretty it was pretty early on in experiential land at that point, right? They were uh they were I would new- say so. I would say so. Um, especially kind of like coining that new sort of term, right? And thinking yeah. about it a little bit differently than just you know, popping up a, a tent, right? It's like how can we create more of an experience? Mm-hmm. So I, I would I would say so yeah I would say it was a you know kind of new and evolving uh, medium and it's become so huge because everything is Instagrammable so uh, uh, basically uh, an experiential event is a soundstage for a bunch of cameras to go into these days so you know you're basically setting up an Instagrammable experience that people can then share you're describing in my opinion, the way that really savvy brands do it and the way that it should be done more often, um, which is, I, I believe, and I think some brands have have done it, um, but I think that it, experiential can and should be the, the main hub of a, of a big campaign. Right. Why? Because to your, to your point, you can create something that's amazing, Instagrammable, and, and then come and shoot something and turn that into a, a TV spot. Yeah. Because typically it's the other way around, right? They'll, something gets created that's, you know, typically campaign and maybe it'll trickle down, you know, some thematic and you're, you're at an event and you pop up a tent and it has the branding of the campaign and that's experiential. It's like, but right. there's so right. much more that you can do with it. I, I, re- I truly believe that it can be the, the main hub of much bigger campaigns. Yeah. And as, you know, and as TV sort of gets less prominent because of all these things, especially like the things that you're doing, right, with found content, 
mm-hmm. become more. That's what people want, right? They want r- really real life experiences. They want they want to see real people's videos. They want all these things that are real. Yeah. And I and I, my hope is that it starts to become more and more part of like the big, the big campaign. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Mo- uh, movies and TV commercials are they're just pretending to be experiences so that people will feel like they had it. You know, it's like they're right. It's it's almost uh we've forgotten that those are just those are just placeholders for real life. You know, salespeople that used to come to your door and sell you the the vacuum and cleaner. You know, now right. you gotta watch it so because there's we need to sell more. Um, and I think the best experiential uh, is the Apple Store. Like that's that's an experience, experiential Absolutely. thing, right? Like it's like they don't have to have Apple Stores. They built them because they wanted to have a place where you could go and just look at everything they had and experience the Apple brand. Um, and they're beautiful. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you said you'd been there since. So they were uh, Jack Morton was bought by InOcean. So no, so no, so Jack Morton is part of the IPG, um, mm-hmm. you know, holding company, right? Mm-hmm. Their public group. So we, I worked at Jack Morton for about six or seven years, and then there was a conflict between two brands, right? One of them was was Hyundai, and one of them was GM. One GM was being run out of the Detroit office, and and we were all working on um, on Hyundai, and so we had to split them apart. So you know, people at, who get paid much more money than 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 I do decided, well, we got to create a new agency so that we can have some separation and and retain this brand. So four of us started Advantage, um, which was still under the IPG umbrella. We grew mm-hmm. that to about thirty people, and we handled oh, the, wow. continued to handle the Hyundai experiential, and then did other work. Uh, for some other companies like LG, um, uh, NYX, uh, Cosmetics, and some other brands. That must have been exciting to go from like this big agency to just, okay, you four are going to start this new thing. You must have been so like, oh my God, this is so cool. Again, no, (laughs) no, no, it was great. And again, you're blowing my mind in in realizing like all these amazing opportunities that I, that I, that I embraced and I did, you know, but I did take them for granted. I mean, just you mentioning that, I mean, we had to create a a brand from scratch, right? We had, like, I was in charge of creating the narrative for the agency and developing the logo and the look and feel of the whole thing. Right. And then hiring people and, and building it up. And at one point I was actually um, running the, the, the office from a business perspective too, as a, in addition to the creative side. So, yeah, I mean, talk about like uh, an amazing experience. And learning curve, all that. you know, <laughs> absolutely. Because they're look, yes, guess, guess what happens? You know, yeah, I got very right. quickly realized how it all works. It's like, you know, you got to make money. Like, where's, where's the money? Where's the money? Yeah. You want more people? Where's the money? You know? Yes. So I, I, I had a quick, um, you know, a quick MBA, so to speak. And, and yeah. quickly understood like, Oh, so that's how it works. <laughs> oh, it t- so you're telling me if we're paying this person, you know, if we need to hire a person at X, we need to collect three times X. To, yeah, that's to right. That's oh, right. I never knew that. And then that went. So just to close the loop out. So then we did that for whatever that was. And then, you know, it was right before the pandemic. I think everybody was realizing like we got to consolidate. So then they rolled us into another IPG agency called RNCPMK. Um, and then a couple of years ago, or I guess last year, 
um, our client said, Hey, we want to, we want to give this work and bring you guys over to an ocean. So now an ocean is completely separate from IPG. Uh, so we, in ocean is owned by on. Hyundai, right? That's, that's Correct. Hyundai's in-house agency, basically. That's a completely different entity, yeah. but it's, it's associated with, yeah. Right. So uh, we moved over there. And you're like Hyundai, you're, you're, you're the, you're the Hyundai guy. Yeah. We're working we do, on Hyundai. Uh, what else? A lot of sports, sports, um, sports marketing, experiential. I just got back from from New York uh, for the um, New York Auto Show. Oh, cool! Uh, to go see that. Yeah, is it still and, at the Javits so Center? That. It is at the Javits Center. Yeah, we had a great uh, big display, and we had a big partnership with Disney that we announced, and so it was a lot of fun to see that all come to life. That's cool. Um, so yeah. And now you've written a book uh, about being a creative director called What's the yep. Big Idea? Um, what? Where did that come from? Uh, when did you write it? And and what is it? Tell us about it. Sure. So back in 2020, right at the right before the pandemic, I'm enrolled in this uh, this online course called the Alt MBA. Seth Godin's Alt. Alt oh, you took was, that? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend it. I really feel like that kind of changed my whole life in, in a big way. Um, and I took that course and, and, and I got re-inspired, right? I was kind of struggling a little bit and I got re-energized and I decided I had been thinking, I want to do this podcast. I want to do this podcast for creative directors. Mm-hmm. And I had an idea. It was going to be called Confessions of a Creative Director and I'm going to have, you know, uh, CDs come out and tell us all about how they see the world and how they operate in it and all that kind of stuff. And then I got the perfect opportunity. The pandemic happened and I'm like, okay, this is my moment. So I started that podcast. Um, I'm, I'm nearing my, my 50th episode. You were just on it with a fabulous episode. So everybody's, I was, to yeah. That. Yeah. Um, that was fun. And so that kind of got the ball rolling, right? I was, I started doing this podcast. I'm super energized mm. about it. I'm realizing there's sort of a need for this. People are writing to me and saying, this is great. Keep it going. And at a certain point I said, I can use all these conversations that I've had to find the red threads mm-hmm. and, and write a book that can help the next generation of, of creative directors. And That's so great. that kind of sparked the idea to, to write the book. Congratulations uh, and, for doing it. Yeah. I've, I've wanted to make, uh, as heard on the A-list, my pandemic thing was a, a deck of cards for ad house. So that was, I blew my, I blew my inspiration on that, but. Uh, it's a lot easier than you think. And it's, it's just a matter of, you know, setting aside a bit of time a day to start, you know, gathering your thoughts and, and, and organizing it in a way that you think makes sense. And then you just start chipping away at it. You just start yeah. chipping away and writing little bits and, you know, and then because you do have all that information, you, you have a, you have a head start. You must have, uh, what did you learn from writing the book? Um, I learned, I learned a lot about myself and I learned that I, you know, could have the discipline that I need to do the things that I want to do. Yeah. Uh, and I learned that it, that it's, you know, that the whole, this whole idea of like, oh, you know, I can only write when I'm inspired or, you know, I can only you know, the mu- you know, that, that whole thing is just BS, right? It's oh, like yeah. somebody said, somebody said, it's like the muse visits me on the, 
on the dot at 9 a.m. every day when I sit down to write. So I learned you just got to do the work. You got to do the work. You got to sit down and there's no, there's no way about it. It's not always going to be great, but you got to sit down and you got to do the work. So that's the biggest thing I think I learned about the whole process. And I think it was also overcoming my, my fear, right? I, I, I talk about it in the book where I had this moment where I'm like, who are you to write this book? You know, like, who, what, have, what have you done? That's so great. And I said, well, you know, I, I, I have had some success and I, and I feel like I have a good perspective on how to be, uh, you know, the, a, a kick-ass creative director for, you know, what's next sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I'm like, why can't it be me? Why, why shouldn't it be me? Somebody, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's going to do it. Why can't it be me? And so yeah. I kind of got, got over that hurdle and, uh, and just went, went for it. Yeah. And it's not just you, right? It's all the creative directors you've spoken to on your podcast. It's all the creative directors you've worked for. It's all the things you've read um, yep. that come into this. You know, we we are we are artificial intelligence. We we scrape from all the other things. None of us come up with anything on our own. So uh I Absolutely. think you know, it's like you just wrote it down. You just uh, you just took all these things and, and wrote it down. It's a great book. It's very uh, quick read. What's great about it is you can sort of scan it and just look for like, what's my problem right now? And just look at like, oh, yeah, OK. And just kind of remind yourself that uh, this this is a job and it's uh, there's ways to do it. And it's a really fun job, too, uh, that you get. to. It is a fun job. Right. You know marketing and and uh and tell stories to people um so it, it is thank you for writing the book and for no, and for you. having your and for having your podcast which i also love um how can people get your podcast and uh where do they go to get it so and where do they anywhere, go to get the book also yeah so uh, you know you can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts right so apple um spotify google you can ask your alexa to play confessions of a creative director and and um and she will play that for you the book you can find on on amazon it looks like this I just happen to have it yeah handy i was looking for uh, mine. it's a, over there and i didn't want to leave you so no no it's okay so here yeah. so here it is you can find it on amazon um i just i should uh, hopefully be i just finished up the audiobook version of it oh, wow. that should be out here in the next couple of days. Uh, I tried That's to record awesome. it myself. Yeah. And man, that is hard. That is hard. So I, I ended up uh, working with a with a great uh narrator. So that should be coming out here uh shortly. That's great. So, and I I want to expand it. You know, I want I would love to as I talk to more people, more amazing creative directors like you, I need to expand that and add, you know, the wisdom that you shared in here. So hopefully in the next year or so I will do an expanded version of that, add some more information, maybe a, some kind of workbook. And then it's like, all right, what's next? What's the next, uh, you know, what's the next thing? So, yeah. And what about you? Where can we see your work and, and, uh, and get in touch with you? Uh, so LinkedIn is my preferred um, platform. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just, just type in my name or probably the easiest way is just to go to my website, Jaime Cabrera creative.com and, and Jaime is spelled J-A-I-M-E. A lot of people think that it's spelled some other way, but it's yeah. Jaime Cabrera uh, creative.com that has links out to my music, which I'm going to send you. Uh, it has links out to the podcast, to the book. Um, I have a whole uh, book kind of collection that I recommend to, to people that you can find on there. There's also oh, like a reading uh, list. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And there's also a way to connect if you want to get some one-on-one coaching, uh, things like that. that oh, that's I'm, great. I'm trying to to work to work out right. I, my whole mission is to help the next generation of of creative directors. So you know, if you need a little help, a little inspiration, a little a little therapy, uh, you know, you can reach out and we can connect. And yeah, it's a lot of. I mean, I'm having a blast, and, yeah. and I think the best, the probably the best thing is just meeting all these other people, amazing people like you and, you know, Dan Nelkin and, and all oh, these yeah. other folks, Ben Levy and all these people that I'm connected to that are so excited. George Tannenbaum you had on your, on your podcast. Yeah. yeah. You've had so many great uh, episodes. Um, so yeah, listen, listen to the podcast, go to Jaime Cabrera creative.com and, and get all the links that you need uh, to Jaime and, and he's a great guy. So, uh, reach out. He, he'd be happy to, uh, answer your emails even. Um, yeah, absolutely. A young person or, or even not a young person who wants to get some advice on, uh, on being creative in this crazy yeah. business. It's a small business. We all got to help each other. Thank you for, for doing what you're doing. And, uh, Thank thanks you. for coming on the A-list. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. I had a, I had a blast. I love Jaime Cabrera from In Ocean USA. And this was the A-List brought to you by Ad House Advertising School, where summer classes will be up soon. AdHouseNYC.com. You can register now and you can take Paul's class, which a lot of people have taken. You could take Mike and Mike's class, which is really great. Uh, and you can take them from anywhere in the world because they are on Zoom. Uh, but if you're in New York City, I think Mike and Mike's class will be live this summer. So uh, be sure to sign up now. All right. It's uh it's quite cheap, I must say. All right. Have a great week. Bye everybody. 